part of what is developing in human beings as we grow is the fundamental cognitive part of the self, known as the self-concept. The self-concept is a knowledge representation that contains knowledge about us, including our beliefs about our personality traits, physical characteristics, abilities, values, goals, and roles, and the knowledge that we exist as individuals. Throughout childhood and adolescence, the self-concept becomes more abstract and complex and is organized into various cognitive aspects of the self, known as self-schemas. As I dive into the internet browsing about the cognitive of self-concept, I found that one of the approaches to study the self is investigating how we attend to and remember things that relate to the self. Indeed, because the self-concept is the most important of all our schemas, it has an extraordinary degree of influence on our thoughts, feelings, and behavior. Welcome to the Psychology Podcast, which is organized by the Psychology Student Society from International Islamic University, Malaysia, IIEM. Assalamualaikum and hi, I am Saila Fikriya, a psychology student from IIEM, and I will be your host for today's Psychology Podcast talk on the topic of Knowing Myself. Today, our guest is Dr. Maria Madawiyah Zulkifli, an Associate Professor at the Department of Psychology at IIUM. Her Cognitive Psychology Specialization, with a Master's Degree in Cognitive Science at the University of Birmingham and a Doctor of Philosophy at the Cardiff University. She studies human cognition's role in shaping people's behavior and her main interest is in studying human memory such as the normal and abnormal memory processes, the relationship between memory, aging, and the psychology process related to memory and learning. Her research mainly involves looking for neuropsychological and electrophysiological evidence supporting the relationship between the brain and behavior. Welcome to the Psychology Podcast Talk, Dr. Mariam. Doctor, can you briefly explain your experience specializing in cognitive psychology, especially when you are doing your research? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi ta'ala wabarakatuh. First of all, thank you very much to the organizer, Psychology Student Society or Star, for inviting me to their program, Psychology Podcast Program. I may start by sharing how I am interested in human cognition. At that time, I was at IIUMPJ campus. And for your information, in the 90s, the main campus for IIUM was at PJ, Talin Jaya. I cannot remember in what year of study I was in, but I assume it must be either second or third year of study. And I remember I was in a class it was a class in the evening and the lecturer was Almarhum Professor Dr. Muhammad Awang from UKM. At that time, Department of Psychology did not have a sufficient number of lecturers to teach psychology courses. Thus, there were many part-timers from uh, other local universities. And I was listening to his lecture and what I realized was that that was the one that I've been looking for. Okay. And I am interested in his lecture and I want to know more about that one. And as a psychology major, we have to take many psychology courses. For example, developmental psychology, 
social psychology, personality, abnormal, test and measurement, etc. And I know that of all the psychology subjects that I have taken thus far, it was that particular subject that attracted me most. Professor Dr. Muhammad Awang gave his lecture on cognitive psychology, which referred to the scientific study of cognition or the scientific study of mental processes. Cognitive psychology is a subdiscipline of psychology that focuses on the study of cognition or mental processes. And in cognitive psychology, the focus is on studying a variety of mental processes, the processes that we can't see, but we engage in them in every minute of our life. So for cognitive psychologists, our behavior is the result of the internal mental processes. Thus, to understand, explain, predict people's behavior, we have to understand and we have to be able to explain the nature of those mental processes. So that's the focus okay, in cognitive psychology. And after finishing my bachelor degree in psychology, I got the opportunity to further my postgraduate degree at United Kingdom. It was in the year of uh, 1998. So I, for me, it was really an opportunity uh, for me to pursue my interest in understanding human cognition. I went to Birmingham University, United Kingdom for my MSc in Cognitive Science. And it was actually uh, such a golden opportunity for me because at that time that I was exposed to conducting research with brain damage patients. At first, I did not think that I can uh, deal directly with patients who suffer from damage to their certain part of the brain. But Alhamdulillah, my supervisor trusted me and gave the opportunity for me to conduct research, okay, understanding the cognition of people who got damage to their brain. And then, uh, alhamdulillah, I finished my MSc in Cognitive Science. And uh, in 19, a year after that, I came back. And then it was actually uh, from that moment, I started to teach Cognitive Psychology to undergraduate students, majoring in Psychology. And after that, after two years teaching, in the year 2000, once again, I went back to United Kingdom this time to Cardiff University to pursue my uh, PhD degree. And at first, I uh, mentioned to my PhD supervisor that I would like to continue conducting research with brain damage patients. But then my supervisor mentioned to me, you have the experience dealing with brain damage patients. Now for your PhD, let's deal with normal brain okay and at first i did not understand what did he mean okay but then he said to me that it's good for us to quote unquote see what is going on in the normal brain okay when people engage in a particular cognitive process what happens inside their mind okay so uh, my phd research involved understanding uh, strategic retrieval processing uh, using EEG method. 
Okay, so EEG method stand for electroencephalography method. And if you are familiar with, uh, you know, uh, if you have seen somewhere that people put around their head electrodes, okay, uh, so that is actually the method. So I use EEG method to record the activity of the brain. Okay, so that will allow me to understand and to read. Okay, to understand and read about the neural activity, which part of the brain uh, are highly activated when people are processing certain type of information. Okay, so Alhamdulillah. Okay, really thankful uh, to Allah for giving me the opportunity to pursue my interest in understanding human cognition, especially during my uh, master degree as well as PhD degree. And until today, I continue my interest in understanding human cognition. So my research interest mainly is about optimizing our cognitive ability. Okay, because we all we all have our cognitive ability. So we would like to be able to use all this cognitive uh, ability to enhance our performance. Okay, be it in academic performance in your context as students or in my context as uh, an employee uh, in order for me to enhance okay, uh, my work performance. Wow, it was a very nice throwback and the story involving brain damage patient is very interesting to me. Well, I am sure that all listeners are based by that too. So a moment ago, I talked about one of the approaches to study the self. Therefore, Dr. Can you elaborate more about how cognition relates to ourselves and how learning cognition can make us know more about ourselves. I believe knowledge from all areas in psychology, uh, not just the knowledge of cognition, can be used to understand and know about ourselves better. Psychology is the scientific study of behavior and mental processes. Okay, so by definition, psychology refer to the scientific study of behavior and mental processes. So if we want to study psychology, maybe we, we should start. Okay, I would like to study people's behavior. Whose behavior? Relate it directly to yourself, my behavior or our behavior. So we study our behavior and we study our mental processes. Okay, usually at the beginning of the semester, in our the first few classes at the beginning of the semester, I like to discuss and direct my students to think, okay, what is the purpose okay, of studying cognitive psychology. So the purpose of studying cognitive psychology, first of all, must be lillahi ta'ala. Okay, it must be lillahi ta'ala. And next, we study psychology because we would like to learn about our own cognition. Okay? We would like to learn about our own mental processes. And uh, if I can share some of the major topics in cognitive psychology, such as perception. Okay? So when we study perception, we will study how do we perceive our environment? Okay? How do we make sense of our environment? Okay? When we study attention, we study about our ability to pay attention. Okay? We will discuss about how do we pay attention? so many things is there any limit for us okay can we pay attention to everything in our environment 
Or how do we select which information to attend to, which one should be ignored? Okay. And uh, another important topic is about memory. This is actually my core interest in understanding human cognition. So we will discuss about our own memory. Okay. Uh, many people out there always claim that they are so forgetful. Okay. They can easily forget things. But then I believe that we have to understand why do we forget? How, uh, how is it possible? Okay that we sometimes remember this portion of information, but yet forget some other portion of information. So basically, in studying every topic in cognitive psychology, we are actually studying about our own self, in particular about our own cognitive ability, okay, about our own cognitive processes. It's common to hear students, okay, if we ask them, why do you want to major in psychology? Uh, one very common answer from them is they would like to help other people. They say that I want to study psychology because I want to help people. Right, good, that's good. Okay, because you would like to help other people. Because that will fulfill your role as Khalifa. Okay, so that will fulfill our Fardu Kifaya, helping other people. But equally important is our fardu'ain. Okay? So our fardu'ain means we would like to fulfill our role not only as khalifa, but we also have to play our role to fulfill our role as an abid. Okay? So in order to fulfill our role as an abid, okay, a servant, we have to know our own self. Okay? We have to know our own self. Okay, our role, our own self as Arbit. Uh, based on my experience teaching cognitive psychology, I can say that many of us tend to take our own cognition for granted. What I mean by this is that many of us do not really understand about our own cognitive processes. For some of us, well, it's there. Okay, I know that I can remember. I know that I can pay attention. I have no problem with my reasoning process. I always engage in problem solving. So what's a big deal? Okay, I know that I can I have all these cognitive processes working well for me. But then I feel that it, it means that there are many people out there who do not really know. Okay. Yes, alhamdulillah, we we have all our cognitive processes functioning well. But we also have to start to look after, okay? We have to look after our cognitive processes. And more important than that is we would like to appreciate it, okay? We would like to appreciate and not taking them for granted, okay? So it's good for us to appreciate the gift from Allah, while we are still have them, okay? While all our cognitive processes are still functioning. Sometimes we people, we when we lose something, uh, we are going to start to appreciate it. We will start to appreciate something when we lose it, okay? So I believe that when we learn about cognitive psychology, when we learn about our own cognition, 
it allows us to understand our own cognitive processes. So when we understand our own cognitive processes better, we are going to appreciate them better. We are not going to take them for granted. Okay, we are going to start to realize okay, how important it is. Okay, how important each of our cognitive ability is. Okay, so we are going to start to appreciate it better. So that's how I believe uh, studying about our own cognition allow us to know ourselves better. That was very well explained, Doctor. And it was actually a reminder for us to understand our own cognition and eventually we can appreciate it. So, Doctor, recently I have been browsing through some websites about the concept of reinforcement that overlooks an individual's interstate. That is, Skinner ignores the inner feelings and drives of individuals. Hence, I was curious about how cognitive forces can activate a person's behavior rather than focus mainly on external stimuli. Um, there are many schools of thoughts in psychology. So one of the dominant one is behaviorism. From behavioristic point of view, psychology should only focus on the behavioral or external states. That is those that are observable and can be seen using our naked eyes. And the focus is on the stimulus response relationship. Okay. So by this, it means all internal states of an individual, such as their mental processes, their feeling, emotion, they are all ignored. Okay. They feel that all these internal processes, they do not have place in psychology. Cognitivism is another school of thought in psychology that arises in response to behaviorist point of view. In uh, cognitivism, the stimulus-response relationship is acknowledged. But what is more important is what comes in between stimulus and response. Okay? I give you one simple example. You and your friend smell a perfume. Your reaction is pleasant. You like the smell and as the result, you want to buy it. Your friend also smell the same perfume, but she dislikes the smell. For her, it's a bit strong. And as the result, she does not want to buy that perfume. So what is the stimulus in this example? The stimulus is the perfume. And what is the response? The response is whether you want to buy the behavior. Okay, whether you want to buy or you do not want to buy that perfume. The response, uh, the verbal response is also an example of a response. Okay, when you mention that, hmm, I like the smell, okay, it's good. And your friends say that, oh, this is quite strong. I don't like it. Okay. So that is an example of a response. So the question is, the stimulus is exactly the same. That is the perfume. Okay. But then that same stimuli lead to different behavioral response. So it means that there is something that is in between 
the stimulus and the response that is influencing. Okay, because if you just study okay, the stimulus and the response, you might not be able to understand what is it that lead to different type of behavior. So from cognitive point of view, what comes in between stimulus and response is worth knowing. Okay? It's worth understanding. So we have to take into account what comes in between stimulus and response in order for us to understand the behavior of a person. Okay? Right. So we know that our internal states play important roles in our behavior. Understanding an individual will not be complete if the focus is just on those that can be observed. So from cognitive point of view, the internal states of the individual, for example, the mind, the mental processes, the physiological processes, the feelings, the emotions, these are all important forces for our behavior. Okay. So coming back to your question, how do these cognitive forces activate a person's behavior? Okay, right. First of all, the mindset. Okay, what is in the mind? Okay, so the focus is on the mind. So when we when we say the mindset, it brings us the meaning of our way of thinking. So it includes our attitude, our belief, our way of thinking about something. So our way of thinking about something can be influenced by other factors. For example, our experience. For example, uh, it can be influenced by uh, the way your parents raised you up. Okay. But then we do know that we have our own perspective. We have our own ideas. We have our own way of thinking. Okay. And we know that the way we think about something can influence our behaviour. So this is one example of how the cognitive force, okay, that is the thinking, can activate or can direct a person's behavior. Okay. If I can share with you or if you can still recall the story of tortoise and the rabbit, okay, when they are in a race, the tortoise okay, and the hare or the rabbit. Okay, they are competing in a race, but then in the mind of the rabbit, he thinks that he runs faster than the tortoise. And he said that uh, there's no other way that the tortoise will win that uh, race. Okay? So while waiting, uh, some sort of like he has to wait, the rabbit has to wait for the tortoise, okay? and then perhaps speed up. Okay? But then at first, Okay, the race end up, the tortoise was the one who won that race. Okay, uh, so this, okay, we can see that the influence of the cognitive force. Okay, uh, we are not here to argue whether the tortoise has the mind or not, but then uh, just an analogy okay, on the importance of the mindset okay, in shaping, in influencing our behavior. Another factor, uh, another example of how a cognitive force can activate a behavior, if we look at the role of the emotion, okay, the role of our feeling. For example, 
feeling uh, feeling of anger can activate aggressive behavior. Okay, feeling of fear can activate withdrawal behavior. Okay, right. Uh, emotion or our feeling uh, has a very strong relationship with our cognitive processes. Okay, and uh, of course there is no direct causation for behavior, which means that. It is not necessary, it is not direct that when whenever you feel hungry, you are going to end up with aggressive behavior. Okay, whenever you feel fear, it will always end up with uh, withdrawal. Okay, so which means that we cannot say or we cannot conclude that there is a direct causation for behavior. But okay, our feeling, okay, how we how we feel about something okay, is also an example of how the internal process in us, okay, the subjective experience that we have in us can uh, shape or can influence our behavior. And if I can share another factor uh, of another example of how internal uh, process influence our behavior is by looking at motivation. Okay? Looking at the area of motivation, the aspect of motivation. So we know that um, when we discuss about motivation, it refers to the internal pushing factor. Okay, uh, so we know that this motivation is from inside. So it means that what drive us or what push us to engage in certain behavior. Okay, what push you to study, for example, uh, if you pause or think for a while, you are going to feel there is something from inside me. Okay, so when you discuss about attention, it's common for us to discuss about the two types of motivation. One is extrinsic motivation and another one is intrinsic motivation. So um, sometimes uh, some people when they analyze okay, why do they succeed in a particular area, they are going to say that oh, I, I succeed because the textbook is very good. Okay, I succeed because I have friends i have friends who are all uh, very supportive so you are actually tying or relating your achievement your performance to the external factors okay such as your friends when you say that your friends help you a lot your friends are supportive and because of that you are able to succeed in this course okay the textbook is very good Okay, so it means that you are relating your success to the external factor. So that is one aspect of motivation known as extrinsic motivation. Equally important is another aspect of motivation known as intrinsic motivation. Okay, so intrinsic motivation relates to the internal factors in ourselves. Okay, so intrinsic motivation means the pushing factor that comes from within. Okay, we do something because we enjoy doing it. Okay? So you learn uh, cognitive psychology because you enjoy studying it. Okay? And you know that studying it is so satisfying. So you are going to repeat that behavior simply because of the internal feeling, simply because of that you feel this is actually the pushing factor that comes from within me. Okay? And we can understand that if you like something, if you have a passion in it, definitely you are going to spend your time doing it. 
Okay, so that really shows that our behavior is directed by uh, internal forces. Okay, so it means that what is invisible in us, okay, our internal processes do play important role to shape our behavior. Thank you for your answer, Doctor. So just to summarize that people's behavior is not only caused by external stimuli, but also from within ourselves or known as the internal forces, just like Dr. Mariam said, such as from the way of our thinking, the role of our emotion, and our motivation to do certain things. For your information, Doctor, we have collected a few students' questions regarding our topic for today. Please stay tuned to the part 2 for this episode to hear more from our speaker.